We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. So on New Year's Eve, we had a party. We invited all you guys over and we had like 51, did we count, people in our little house, which was amazing. And it actually didn't feel too crowded. Like it worked. It worked out well. Uh, We tried to set up different, you know, stages for different people to hang out. So you can hang out by the fire pit in the courtyard. You can hang out in two different living rooms in the house. And then there was room in the backyard and kids can kind of go wild, which was great. We set up like a canopy thing, like the easy up, you know, tent uh, back there with some Play-Doh. And so the kids could like play play Play-Doh if they wanted to. And they did. And I know this because I stepped in a lot of Play-Doh over the next few days. Uh, The next day, actually, I was hanging out, just relaxing in my room. And I could see through our sliding glass door that the easy up started to get lifted up and fly across our backyard. So I jump out of bed and I find my shoes real quick and throw them on. And I get out there and I run across our yard just in time to grab it. And I leaped and I grabbed it with one hand as it's halfway over our fence into the neighbor's yard. It was like the most heroic thing I'd ever done in my life. <laughs> so I grab a hold of this easy up and somehow I wrestle it back onto our side of the fence and I'm holding it down. And our family had just gone for a walk. So nobody else was there. And the whole time I'm like, if I just hold it here long enough, they'll come back and they'll help me and they'll see the trouble I'm in. Well, they were in a pretty deep and intense conversation when I got back. So nobody was thinking about me at all. And they didn't come to the backyard. And I was like, just hold on a little longer. But I eventually figured out, okay, I got to do this on my own. And I started to, we had Christmas lights strung throughout it. So I couldn't even take the thing down until I wrestled all the lights out of there and untangled them. So with one hand, I'm trying to keep it from getting lifted off the ground again. And with the other hand, I'm trying to untangle the lights. Uh, And I finally get it done, right? And I get the whole thing down and I lay it down and I'm tired and I walk back to our room and I realize uh, as I start to walk in, there's something squishy under my foot. And so I better not walk in with these shoes on. And I think I probably stepped in some dog doo-doo, right? Because that's what it felt like, but it was Play-Doh. Now, when Play-Doh gets really, really wet, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, it's really, really hard to work with, right? When it gets really wet, it feels slimy. It feels really gross, and it doesn't take shape except for when it's stuck to the bottom of your shoe. So I had like a toothpick trying to get it out of the little marks of the bottom of my shoe later. Uh, but like I, I went around the yard, I realized there's Play-Doh everywhere, and I tried to pick up these clumps of Play-Doh, and they just kept like oozing out of my fingers because they were too wet. You couldn't really keep a shape to it. Now, you know, the opposite end of that, the problem with Play-Doh, is when it gets too dry, Right? Now, we all know about that one really well. When Play-Doh gets left out and it gets too dry, you can't shape it at all. You can't mold anything. It's, it's just, it's solid with what it is, right? And maybe you can add some water to it. But the perfect consistency of Play-Doh, and I had a bigger thing of Play-Doh up here, um, but we had a lot of kids running around this morning, and that Play-Doh now has a lot of hair in it. So fortunately, and I don't know why, Tammy carries around extra Play-Doh wherever she goes. And so she had a little extra sample of Play-Doh here for me. Thanks, Tammy. This is the right consistency, right? Because have you guys all played with Play-Doh? You know? Okay, good. Okay. I didn't even need the visual. You know what Play-Doh is. But, uh, you know, you can, you can shape this and you could mold it and you could form it into whatever. Not with one hand, but you can. You can make it into a little ball. You can make it into a little person. It could stand up, right? 
But when it gets too slimy, obviously, it doesn't hold that shape. Like, I just rolled it into a ball. It wouldn't stay that way. It was dripping off of my fingers. Uh, when it's really, really hard and stuck like this, like, that's what you got. You aren't getting anything else out of that. And I say all this because I think a lot of times humans can be that way too, right? People, uh, on one extreme, we can get so set in our ways and, and get formed and shaped and stuck in a certain way of thinking and of living and of being. And you all are thinking of somebody right now who's like that, right? You're probably not picturing yourself though, are you? Right, that there's certain things we get stuck in and, and we go like, this is just the way it is. And it's really hard to change our mind on anything. It's really hard to change our practices and our rhythms on anything because we have been so shaped and formed and then left out in the sun to dry. <laughs> and we stay that way. Uh, and on the other extreme, a lot of times, and, and what scripture says about this is actually the analogy is, is being tossed back and forth by the wind and the waves. A lot of times what happens is we aren't formed in anything and we're almost too pliable, right? And so anytime life steps on you, you get stuck to the imprint of that shoe and you just get carried along with it. Or, or you can't really form patterns and habits because you don't really have an absolute of anything that you're trying to go for. And here's the thing is we are actually uh, called clay oftentimes throughout scripture, what we believe is the true story of the whole world and the true story of how you and I got here, we're often referred to this analogy of being clay. And if you think about it, that's not too weird, too much of a leap, because what happened, how was the very first person formed? By clay, right? Out of clay. By the hands of God, using the dust of the ground that was mixed with, it says there was a mist in the ground. So you got water and dirt, you got some clay. And God forms this man with his own hands and then breathes his own breath into this lump of clay for it to now have life and purpose and meaning, to be shaped and formed into an image, which Genesis 1 tells us was in the image of the creator of God. Let us make man in our image. And so male and female, he formed them. This is, this is what we are. We are lumps of clay but when we're in the right hands, when we're in the hands of the creator, of the potter, as scripture calls him, then we get shaped and formed into the right thing. But oftentimes what happens is we, we forget who's really to shape us and form us. And then the wind and the waves of life come and they, and they make us too pliable. And then the rough things of life step on us and we get all out of shape, right? Now, the good news is, that God didn't leave us in that place. So God forms us at the very beginning of all things. But when the first two humans rebel against God, they began to get deformed, right? The, the, the very thing God created them for, relationship with him, relationship with one another, and relationship with the created earth, all of that gets deformed. It gets misshapen. It gets broken. They run and hide from each other out of shame. They hide from God, their creator, Right? They, they start to now through thorns and thistles, it says, work on the created earth that they were meant to care for with joy. It all gets deformed, but God continues to move toward and shape and form those who are willing to say, I'm clay in your hands. 
So last week, we spent some time talking about what it looks like to be a tight-knit community, right? Uh, If we're taking a pause and a step back to say, what are we called to be as the church, as God's people, as people following Jesus together? We said we, we desire to, and not just we, we think Jesus desires for us to be a tight-knit community that we would actually love one another well so that the world would see our love for one another and know we're disciples of Jesus. That's what Jesus says in the book of John. This week we're saying, what does it look like for us now as a community together to see life-forming discipleship take place? That we would actually live in such a way together that we would be forming one another to look more and more like Jesus. Now, I had just said that the the one who forms us, the hand of God, right? He's the potter. But here's the thing. There's actually a partnership we're called into. If we read uh, Romans 12, the very beginning of that right now, I don't think I had that on the screen, but I can tell you what it says. The very beginning of Romans 12, the first couple verses, after 11 chapters of Paul writing about this is what God has done for us through Jesus and in the power of his spirit, he says, now because of that, therefore, brothers and sisters, do not be conformed to the ways of the world, right? Don't, don't get formed and shaped by the way the world does things apart from God, but instead be transformed, right? It's a, it's a new forming, Be transformed now by the renewing of your mind. And so our partnership is this. It's learning more and more to say no to the things that form us in a way we weren't meant to be formed. And it's learning more and more to say yes to the one who wants to transform us into what we were meant to be in the first place. There's a partnership there. At the very beginning, when God formed the first human, he called him into a partnership to say, I have made all of this and it is very good. And now you get to have authority and dominion over it. You get to display to the rest of the creation what the father, the creator is like. It's not good that you do this alone though. So he forms out of him another human to be in partnership with. God is all about partnership, healthy partnership, where he is ultimately in control. And so what what we're saying we want to see happen in this community is that we would enter into a partnership with one another and a partnership with the Holy Spirit so that the transformation of this community would make us look more and more and more every single day like the body of Jesus. That's what we're called in scripture. Now here's the reality. Each and every single one of us is being formed every single day and every single moment, whether you know it or not. We're all being formed by something, right? We're all being shaped by something. Uh, Last week, we drew a little picture of some circles. You guys who hang out here, you know that I like drawing circles a lot. And so we were talking about different spheres of life. And so that in the center here, uh, I don't have room to write it, but that's kind of like your intimate sphere, so sociologists have talked about these four spheres often. This is your intimate sphere. It's like three to five people who, you know, like you're, you're tight with, you're super tight with. They know everything about you probably. Uh, and then this sphere right here is called the personal sphere. So you, it's like 12 to 15 people is what they say, right? And then you keep moving out and you got the 
social sphere here, which most sociologists say is around 70, 75 people. Uh, and then out here is the public sphere. So we talked about how last week, how what often happens in our individualistic and tribalistic culture is many of us have this area here are like very few people who we trust and who know us. And then we have this whole kind of other thing out here, this extrapolated public sphere on social media and online and hearing the news from all over the world, right? But we're missing a lot of this in between. We're missing a lot of that. That shapes and forms you. When, when you're laying at bed, in your bed at night, just scrolling through your phone, because TikTok is addicting you guys, and you just keep scrolling. Uh, that video, like 10 videos ago of that cute little kid, I want to find another one like that. And all the rest of these are baking cakes, and this is boring, right? Like, and you keep scrolling through, it's addicting. <laughs> That's shaping and forming you. We were just having a conversation with our kids about why we set it up where their internet shuts off at eight and it doesn't kick back on until eight on their devices because what you are spending the last hour or so doing before you go to bed and the first hour or so when you wake, that's shaping and forming what your day will look like. It's actually, neurologists will tell you, it's shaping and forming patterns and grooves in your brain. And so we want to help shape and form you with something different. That was a conversation with our sons. But as I was having that conversation, I was like, oh, man, what did I stay up doing on my phone last night? I was watching YouTube videos on how to, like, build stuff, right? We're all being shaped and formed by something. And here's the thing. Some of us, it's happening unintentionally. And when we're being unintentionally shaped and formed, we're like that really wet, soggy Play-Doh, and it's just whatever shoe steps on you is what you're going to get formed by. When, when you're unintentionally being formed and shaped by something, chances are it is not what you would have picked for you to be formed into, right? But all these fears create opportunities to shape and form us. And so the things that you're spending your waking hours and your sleeping hours doing, filling yourself with, that's going to shape and form the type of person you're going to be. When you're in traffic and you get cut off and you start cussing people out or screaming, that's because, it's not because of that one moment where that one person did something and it's on them, right? It's because you have been shaped and formed with these responses of anger. There's, there's something that has been shaping and forming you that brings out that irritation in a certain manner. Because we all get irritated and, and upset and frustrated inside, but how does that come out? That, that is determined by what you have been shaped and formed by. So your practices, your habits, your rhythms, your patterns of life, these actually are doing something. I'll, I'll even go as far to say this, like in your time of intimate time studying with the Lord, reading your Bible, it's a good thing. Reading it on a phone or screen and reading it on an actual paper. I'm not saying you shouldn't do one or the other, but that's going to form you. It's going to shape you. I'll tell you, like, when it came to, like, start flipping through and finding a book in the Bible, after I had been using my phone for months doing it, I was like, oh, how do I, I don't even know where to find this anymore. Wait, what does it come after? Which, which book is it? Hold on. You know, like, you forget it's a wonderful tech tool, this technology thing we have, right? Like, it's amazing that you can have your Bible in your pocket. It's a gift. 
what I'm saying is just if we're aware and we're intentional about how those things shape us every single day, we'll start to notice some different things. Back to these spheres of life, what we see is actually Jesus lived this out too. And so he had his three people, Peter, James, John, that he would call aside and do these more intimate conversations, right? He had his personal crew, his 12 disciples that lived life with him day in and day out for three years as they followed him. He also had, we're told at one point, uh, the number changes to 70 to 72. These are the same numbers sociologists called out, right? Disciples who followed him, not just those 12 who signified the 12 nations of Israel or 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, but 72 people who followed him. Uh, And then Jesus also spoke to the crowds, the public sphere, right? Jesus modeled this for us. And what he was doing in his day-to-day routines with these people was he was forming and shaping them, but not just by teaching them intellectually and not just by giving them words. Let me draw another picture for us real quick. This is you. And this is your brain on drugs. Just kidding. Did I just date myself there? Does anybody know? Okay. All right. This is you. Not just your soul. It's not that you have a soul, but you are a soul. Uh, If you look up the word for soul in Old Testament, it's nefesh. And it literally, it just means that the simplest way to explain it is a living being. You are a soul. You were created as a soul. You have, there it is, the Venn diagram. You were all waiting for it. You knew I'd draw it eventually. You have a body, a mind, and a spirit. So God created you as a physical being out of the clay, right? He, he, he created humans like you can feel you're real. <laughs> you can touch it, right? Like flesh and bone and blood and ligaments. You have a body. But that, is, that does not define who you are completely on its own. It doesn't make up the totality of you as a human being. He also has given you a will or a mind, right? Uh, New Testament, will, in that Greek school of thought, they often use that word mind, where Old Testament in the old Hebrew way of thought, they use the word heart, but it's your, it's your intention, your will, your, your motivation in life, right? How, how do you think and feel about certain things? That also is part of who you are. And not only that, but God has given you a spirit. And so when God first breathed his breath, his spirit into the first human and gave him life, he also, what he did in the same way we did during Advent, you remember we lit those candles and you had the Christ candle here and then you could light it onto another candle. And what did that do? It didn't extinguish that first flame. It kept spreading and making more flames everywhere. That's what God does. And so every single human being has a spirit. Now those who are in Jesus also have God's spirit resting within us and helping our spirit to be transformed more and more to look like Jesus. But every single human being has has a spirit. This makes up the totality of who you are, which I'm going to call soul. Now, if we want to argue about terms and and, uh, what words should have been used where, that's fine. We could do that later. But for now, just hear me say, you are a whole being made up of many parts. 
In the same way the Bible talks about the church being a body made up of many parts. But there are other aspects to you just beside what you look like. And there are other aspects to you besides what you think about this thing that people are debating over here, right? There, there are other things about you. And when we start talking about being formed into the image of Jesus and partnering with God, with one another, with his spirit, so that we could be formed more and more to look like Jesus, what we're not saying is we're gonna do discipleship classes so you guys can come and learn more things about Jesus or the Bible. That's good, but we're only talking about one aspect of humans there, right? We're talking about the mind. I was listening to a guy tell a story about how he was really trying to help disciple this like new church that was planted as a, as a missionary. And so it was overseas somewhere. And as they did that, they did these discipleship classes because we're really good at classes here in the Western church. And then he had to go away for a little bit. And he's like, all right, I want you to continue this work as I go. And then when he came back to check in with them, he's like, how's it been going? And they're like, really great. Like we've, we've taken everything you've taught us and we're doing it and we're doing these classes. And he was like, oh man, I formed them poorly. Like I, I haven't taught them to actually go and love their neighbor. I haven't taught them to actually go out into the world and be a display people to the rest of the world watching them to see the love of God in action. Like what discipleship, what I formed them to think discipleship is, is classes in education. Education is different from formation. It's a piece of it, but it's not the totality. And when Jesus commissioned his followers to join in his mission, he didn't say, listen, I'm with you and the spirit's with you. Therefore, go and plant churches. He said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and start classes. He said, as you go through life, make disciples, form people to live in such a way where they actually experience the work of God in their life and that they can display that to others around them. So Jesus did a lot of things where he called them into embodied practice, right? Baptism was one of those. Like if, if we're just here intellectually saved, then why does he do the, the thing of having us get dunked into water physically, right? Uh, if we're just intellectually saved, why do we go and we take and we eat at the communion table to remember the body of Jesus? God formed the first human with a body and Jesus came into this world in a body. And listen, Jesus still lives in a body. I, I know there's lots of different schools of thought of what happens in the, uh, the next stage of life after this, right? Like after you die here in the physical, like we would float into the clouds and all that. But do you know you'll actually have a body? I said that one time and this like years ago and this guy was like, he called me a heretic, which it's basically just a way of saying like, I'm lying. <laughs> and so uh, I was like, well, let's talk about that. Why do you think Jesus is still in his body? He's like, what? Jesus doesn't have a body. And I'm like, dude, like they touched the holes in his hands. The tomb was empty. Jesus lives eternally in the body that he was born into this world in. Why would we be any different? If you think that floating ethereally with spirit only is the end game, why does Jesus, the king of all creation, get stuck in a body and we get a thing that you think is better, right? No, no, no. He's got what's better, being a whole person. And we get to enter into the newness of life with him too. And so you will continue to have a body. Don't you think the things you do with your body here and now are important then? 
if you will live eternally in a body as well? If God designed that body, if Jesus rose in the body? And, and so not just the things we're learning in our head in our quiet time studies or in our classrooms, but also the things we're doing with our living being body. Uh, and then spirit, the things that we're, we're filling ourselves with are affecting our spirit, right? They're, they're actually, they have something to say and do to you as a person. Let's, uh, I wanna read real quick in Ephesians chapter four, and then we'll wrap this up. In Ephesians four, Paul wrote this, starting in verse 11. He himself, and he's speaking of Jesus here. So remember, it's telling of who Jesus is and what he has done, and then we get to, right? And so he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. We'll pause right there for a second. Um, whole other conversation on what those words were, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds, your translation might say in teachers. Uh, we can talk about all that. That's just different outpourings of, of gifts of how God is equipping and forming and building up. Uh, but here's the one I want to hone in on today, to equip the what? Saints. So let's talk about who that person is. That's all of us here. If you are in Jesus, if you've said, I want to follow Jesus, I need him, to rescue me and to form my life, you are one of the saints. To equip us, Messio Dei, brothers and sisters, believer in Jesus, to equip us, to build us up, build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. This is being formed and shaped. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves or stepped on like Plato, right? Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Did you hear that language right there of a body being matured and growing healthy and also zooming in on each individual part? There's a partnership here, right? And how you are living your life will actually affect how I'm living my life and vice versa. The, the things that we do in life, the things that we say to one another, the rhythms we invite each other into, the practices and patterns, the habits and rhythms of each of our individual lives will bleed over into. The reason I didn't have the other larger thing of Plato here was because they took two colors and they mashed them together and then it also got hairs mixed into it on the ground, right? So we finally found the Plato. I was worried it would be stomped into the carpet. So that's why we were looking for it. And we found it and like looked at it and it was like blue and pink. And I was like, that's cool. I like that. Like that's actually a good picture of like the body coming together as one. I don't mind those two colors, but I, I held it and there was all these hairs coming out of it. And I was like, no, I'm good. Tapped out right there. 
I'll, I'll use the little sample Plato. Thank you, Tammy. Uh, but that's kind of what happens, right? Like as, as we start living life together, we get a mesh together. But also the junk of life gets stuck to us at times too, doesn't it? Our call is to enter into partnership with one another to help pull some of that junk of life out and separate it, but to stay a mesh together. And ultimately to bring ourselves as an offering, because that's the beginning of Romans 12. Present your bodies, this group of people, as a living sacrifice to God. To present ourselves before the one who is meant to form us, before the potter who forms the clay, that he is ultimately the one at work here. And so we now are filled with the spirit so that our spirits and our bodies and our minds could present ourselves before the father who could then shape and form us to look more and more into the image of the son. But there is a partnership there. What are the things that are forming you? I just want to leave it with that question. What do you wake up doing? What, what are you, who are you sharing your meals with? What things are you taking in, into your mind and filling your head with? What voices are you listening to? How are you ending your day? How, how are you treating this body that's been called a temple that the spirit resides in? How are you treating the bodies around you? Right? What, what, are you, what are you eating and taking in and, and what are you also putting back out into the world? Here's the thing. You actually can change that if you need to. You and I, we actually have the power to create new patterns and rhythms and habits and routines in our lives. Not because we're good enough and we're strong enough and doggone it, we're smart enough but because the spirit of God is dwelling within us. The power of the God who formed the first human is within each and every single one of us who says yes to Jesus. Would you shape and form my life? He actually gives you the power to come alongside and partner with him to create new patterns. When we read from Acts 2, what that first community looked like, don't you think that that was drastically different than what they had been doing before? They were not spending day, every single day together before that. They were not going to the temple every single day before that together. They were not sharing all their food and all their possessions before that. They were not devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles before that. Their lives radically changed because the spirit of God was in them. And listen, hear this. Your life can radically change because the spirit of God is still here with us today. Amen? Would you pray with me that the spirit of God would form and shape us this year to look more and more into the image of Jesus?